Cool. Excellent. So welcome to episode three of the PTU Barbell podcast. Um, with us today, we have Teresa Chesnick. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Well done. Sick. So the reason why we invited her today is because she has two British bench press, blah, 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 bench press records. She's also the GPC World Champion of 2019 and the GPC Scottish Champion of 2019. And she has a gym total that will put tears in most guys' eyes of 530 kilograms. So welcome, Tess. Thank you. You know, I actually haven't done the math of what my current gym total is. So that was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, when you send that over, I was like, damn. <laughs> you just think all you need to do is forward it to Scott. <laughs> chill, chill. <laughs> um, so let's just quickly um, uh, just get a little bit of understanding about when you started training and why you started training. Because I think you've had a, a long history of training of different events and sports. So just, uh, I know, start with when you was a child. Back in my day, um, no. Um, <laughs> When I was a child, okay, we'll just do it on sports. So my whole family, all the all my dad's side of the family were skiers, crazy East European skiers. So I was probably skiing before I could walk. I'm probably more coordinated on a pair of skis than I am, like, on foot, just walking around. Um, <laughs> if you've seen me in a gym, you've seen me walk into something at least twice um, or fall over something. But, yeah, uh, skiing and horse riding, I never horse rid competitively that's my sister's forte I can't be bothered give me something with a motor not something with a mind of its own <laughs> um and then I did a lot of dancing as a kid but just like like all kids <laughs> and then I started fighting I did taekwondo for seven years which is not fighting it's a sport um what are you going to do in a dark alleyway probably panic um <laughs> it's just, you know, like, uh, I did taekwondo for seven years um, you can throw a pretty good punch. Yeah. No, I can throw a really good kick. You never want to get kicked by me. Like when you list off all my sports, it's just like all leg dominant. And it, you know, it makes no surprise that someone nicknamed me whale quads. At the start of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, so how come you got two bench press records and no squat records? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was like, what's he talking about? And then I got in the bath like, the week after or whatever, and I'm sitting in the bath and I'm looking at my legs and just my quads sit out of the water and I'm like, it does look like a whale. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I did Taekwondo for seven years and I then, I did like two years of kickboxing and like all together I've probably done four years of Muay Thai. The last time I went back to Muay Thai years ago before England, I've been here three years. Um, they were like, get back in the ring. And I was like, I don't need to be elbowed in the face for fun anymore. I'm okay, <laughs> thanks. Just for fitness. Like, you see this nose? This nose has had some work. <laughs> this is good as getting, you know. How many times have you been punched in that? <laughs> punched? How many times have I broken it? I've broken it. I think I've now broken it eight times. I think I broke it last year because I pulled a barbell into my face. I took black eyes and it bled. I broke it. Um yeah, I've probably broken my nose from being punched maybe four times, about five times. I've managed to not come out with any concussions because I've got a really thick skull. So no brain damage yet, at least not from the sports, maybe from the rest of my life, but not from what, the sports. Um, what sports have you had the most injuries from? Uh, where, where would you say you find the most injuries, in powerlifting or in Mai Tai? Strongman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, they don't care about the, the technique, that's why, it's just lift it. 
Yeah, just lift it. And like the injuries that you get in strongman are not normal. Like last time I competed in strongman, I crushed my finger between, I've got a scar still and my finger's bigger than the other one now forever. But I crushed my finger between a 110 kilo stone and a frame that I was lifting it onto and didn't know why I was so grumpy until Mark said to me, what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm in a lot of pain as I realized that my finger was bleeding everywhere and my muscle had like exploded out the end of my finger. That's not a normal injury. Question, question. If you could be number one in all the sports that you've done and competed in, which sport would you choose? To be number one world champion, in respective competitions, Taekwondo, Muay Thai, um, strongman, powerlifting. Powerlifting, because I'm better at it and I can look the way I want and I don't need to be too injured. And I don't have to do any cardio. You have to do lots of cardio and fighting all of the time and it's not enjoyable. I don't need to cause myself that much emotional turmoil anymore. I'm not that much of a masochist anymore. I can have a relationship with that. Um, and also I don't, I don't want to be the best because other people will say I'm the best, if that makes sense. And nobody cares about powerlifting. I mean, unless you're missing a leg, it ain't in the Olympics. You know, so, yeah, I'm doing it. It's kind of cool to say you're the strongest, I guess. You know, like, yeah, I can I am fight, but I'm the strongest. The strongest technical lifter in the world. That would be yeah. really cool. That's quite cool. Right? Yeah. And do you find that when you, um, when you prepare for all the different sports, particularly fighting, obviously, you're going to need a, a very strong mindset for that. Um, do you find that they translate to when you're doing all the competitions, do you use the same mental rehearsal uh, methods to fire you up for the competition ahead? I am the most hyperactive, naturally aggressive person you will have met in a long time, in like face-to-face. -face. I mean, you guys have all Whatever. met me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in this country. Um, I have no filter. So the last thing I ever need is to be more amped up. I am, like, actually one of the calmest, unfocused lifters at a competition. Like, if you walk up to me at a competition, you ask me what I'm listening to, I'm probably listening to Devo or something really terribly 80s and just not getting too zoned in. Because if I get too focused, I was watching Kelvin compete. I was actually I was watching both of you compete, Kelvin and Aaron compete. I don't remember where we were. I wasn't competing. Scott was competing and it was 20... Scott was probably reading Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm thinking about competing. Um, yeah, um, that was 28... It was, still would have been 2018, I reckon. And there was a girl there and she was lifting and she was on, like, all of the gear. Um, and I still don't know who she is to this day. I bet you I know her now. Um, steroids are not equipment. Yeah, yeah, not an equipped lifter. She was on all of the steroids. And she was just, like, so worked up and she bombed out, like, most of her lifts because she was just way too amped up, you know. And so I'm not – I'm not – it's just really stuck with me, so I've never really been like that. I, I did, If I got any more amped up than this, I'd probably pass out. Uh, <laughs> I'm like this all the time. But, no, I think that bodybuilding gave me the mindset that I have for training and for competing – because I was talking about this last night, actually, is that I think bodybuilders, I think, overall, get too much credit for being strong because they look muscular. When they're not strong most of the time, very good bodybuilders are strong, but they're, they're not strong and they're usually quite injured. But I think they're not given nearly enough credit for their mental game. Like bodybuilding is so a mental game. 
Um, and well, I did a, I did a comp before I not long before I moved to England, and I'd only done the one in figure, and I got on stage and I came third and whatever. But afterwards, I left anything to do with fitness. I was dating someone in fitness. I left everything to do with fitness, my job, my boyfriend, everything for a good couple months. I just couldn't look at it, you know. But coming back in, when I go back into competing, um, I ruptured a ligament in my ankle. 2018, Kelvin, I think that was 2018. And then we went down to Salisbury and I benched 100 kilos with one foot off the ground for the first time ever. That was the first time I ever pressed 100. I mean, I looked like I looked like a penguin, you know, like stuck on my back with my foot in the air. But, like, my head doesn't go, you're injured or you're dieting, have a cry. My head just keeps going, you know, and that's totally from bodybuilding. Definitely from fighting but more so from bodybuilding, I reckon, you know. And, like, I spent years partying my ass off. Like, my body can go through a lot more stress than the average human. Uh, is that where you got your uh, your new um, – we'll plug your website here quick – your new uh, Rogue Wolf Tribe from, because uh, I thought I'd have a quick look at the definition of what um, rogue actually meant. So for everyone out there, it's an, an, ele- an elephant – or another large wild animal living apart from the herd and having savage or destructive tendencies. Is that why you decided to to, to uh, name yourself that? Yeah, actually. So a uh, vargulf is like a rogue wolf in Icelandic, and a vargulf is a wolf that will go into the pack of sheep and kill all the sheep but not eat any of them and leave. It hunts for sport. You know, it's an animal that hunts for sport, not survival. No, but I've always kind of been weird and an out a bit of an outsider um I got early diagnosis late diagnosis autism the start of last year and a lot of things have started to make a lot more sense yeah. since then we all definitely knew but now it's like yeah okay on, um, on Kelvin's podcast we was talking about how like um the powerlifting especially and strongman community is very like um like we're all kind of mates we all like like look after each other and help each other out especially um in competitions did you find that's really helped with how you how you've progressed as an athlete <laughs> delivering something to my house and my dog's going to eat him. <laughs> we'll just ignore that. Um, yeah, I think, oh, sorry, I'm just going to yell at my dog. Hey! Stop it! This is like Joe Rogan, like uncut. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> you go get that dog. <laughs> so rich. Hey! Sorry. <laughs> um... I'm just going to annoy him. Yeah, I find that that's kind of where the whole tribe part comes in. I find that powerlifting is very much a tribe. I think that's been really awesome because everybody that I've met so far in powerlifting, I don't think I've met like a normal boring human the entire time I've been a powerlifter. (laughs) Even when you've got to be a little bit unbalanced, haven't you, to... Yeah, you you know, know, or from a weird place. Like if you are sort of a bit more normal... You know, and you can beat IPF. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's just if you, like um, if you if you like people telling you that you're shit and judging you. If you didn't mature past high school politics, then you can beat me IPF. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's that lack of filter. No, if you want to do something like that, you do something that's going to be recognised in the public eye more. You know, you want to do CrossFit because. CrossFit's really cool and fashionable and it's everywhere and, you know, and everybody looks amazing or you want to be a bodybuilder. But, like, 
if you just want to be really fucking strong, like the Juggernaut when he digs himself out of the concrete in the X-Men film, then you go and be a powerlifter. Not many people want that. You know, like Kelvin goes, I want to look like a silverback gorilla. I mean... <laughs> do, you, do you think it's down to, like, technical, um, like... Uh, with squats, bench, and deadlift, so technical. Actually, you're actually only getting good at three exercises. Whereas I think, and you're trying to lift as fucking much weight as you can. Whereas I guess like other things like CrossFit, like you mentioned, this it's maybe a bit. I like, think it's because you lot hate cardio and you love eating food. <laughs> That's it. There's no other thing, and it's three <laughs> exercises you have to be on top of your game for. Okay, so uh, I was a weightlifter. Uh, my first ever weighted sport was in school. I kept getting kicked out of classes. And just by chance, I ended up doing weightlifting. Um, my year-level coordinator used to be on the Canadian Olympic weightlifting team. She was the most terrifying woman. Like, Aaron, she was doing drag. I was in, like, my first year of high school, so I was. she probably actually wasn't that giant in hindsight. I was just this, like, really tiny woman. Um, but she was terrifying, and she was like, come and – come to this room, show me the weightlifting room. She's like, pick that bar up above your head. And I did it and I just snatched it because I grew up like country, you know, with hay bales and stuff. She was like, pick that bar up to your throat. And I did it and I went like this. And she's like, come back at lunch. And then she used to use it to stop me. If you get kicked out of class, you can't do weightlifting. Um, but weightlifting, this is what I used to say. People, people used to ask me a lot if I was a CrossFitter because I'm leaner than a lot of powerlifters. Um, I do a lot of plyometric sport because I reckon that plyometric explosive outlet has a massive crossover to powerlifting. Um, do you want to like dumb down what plyometrics is for like anyone? Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so powerlifting is a static sport. You stay still, you do a squat, you stay still, you do a bench, you stay still, you do a deadlift. Um, your feet stay where they are. Uh, plyometric, anything involves movement. Um, it involves a quicker reaction system and moving. Um, dodging cones in a football drill, that would be plyometric as a general example. But if you think about if you think about dodging cones in football and you put your foot in the ground to jump the other way, right? It's good because this is actually a video. To jump the other way, the amount of power that you can get pressing out of that one leg to your own body weight will not only predict how fast you get out of the way of the person running at you, but it will also predict how fast you can go from bent over with a barbell to standing up in a deadlift. You know, so there's a massive carryover. People turn around to me who are from a sports science background and they go, oh, yeah, but, you know, there's no crossover. Now, if you're a long-distance runner, there's not much crossover. But, I mean, even long-distance runners do squats with barbells in a gym. If you're a rower... You train like a deadlift. You train like a powerlifter. I mean, rowing is deadlifting repeatedly in the water with six other guys in the boat. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I reckon, you know, I've done all this plyometric stuff and I was a fighter so I can skip. You know, I can skip. I can do pull-ups, like, for days and I can snatch a barbell above my head. And people are like, oh, she's a crossfitter. And I was like, no, I take steroids. They won't like me. <laughs> Oh, awesome, awesome. So would you say your specialist is um, is the bench press or do you prefer a different lift? No, nah, I love benches, babe. I'm such a bro, hey. <laughs> Who are you training today? Chest bro, you know. Benches, benches <laughs> It's Monday, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, internet. Every day is chess day. Um, no, see, I don't know. I've, I've always had strong legs. So when it came to deadlifting, my first comp with you guys, um, I got in the car after I might have driven my Range Rover into a pothole and got it stuck. <laughs> and you guys had to come get me. <laughs> I got in the car and Scott was in the back seat and he goes, so I hear you've got a pretty big deadlift. And I was like, I don't know. Sure. I guess so. Yeah. And like, I always felt that I've got a reasonable deadlift, you know, not that I've got a phenomenal deadlift, but I've always had a strong bench. And I know that stereotypically women are not good at benching. And I sh- I'm not built to be good at benching. Before I took gear, I was 58 kilos before I did a bodybuilding competition or like up to 65. That's sort of where I sat. And I still benched 75 kilos when I was 65 kilos body weight and no gear. So what um, what do you think makes you a good bencher? Like, it, is it, do you, obviously, like you, you just said, it's not the way you build. So what? Is it, you just you just train it so much, you just enjoy it. So, I think I think I think I'm not technically built the way you would think a bench presser should be. Like a, a good bench presser, statistically, is broad across the torso, which I am generally broad across the torso, but they have, don't have very long arms you know, so that they can have a normal width grip on the bar and not have to move the bar very far. And they've usually got very strong triceps and rear delts. They've usually also got long lats because it's a good support system for their spine to be able to push the bar back away. Science! Um, (laughs) I forgot to tell everyone on this podcast that actually you are quite smart. So we'll get out of the way now. She might say she's autistic and doesn't She doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs) Um, so uh, with um, with benching, what do you think about the old uh, the arch? Obviously, you have to arch to get your the body in the right position. But overarching, or do you just think go make your arch as big as you can if you can if you're flexible enough to do that? I think Sweet Burns puts puts the best. Pumpy Panora fifth set. Sweet Burns puts the best. Um, the idea is to get your shoulders to be able to stay in retraction and plant your traps into the bench. Yep. It doesn't mention anything about turning yourself into the exorcist. <laughs> in a good position to get your traps into the bench to be in a better scapular position for safety of movement and then be able to keep your ass on the bench because otherwise you're not going to get the damn lift. Um, you're saying a slight arch so you can perform that or you're saying actually let's bend the, bend the rules and get this huge arch up and, you know, you just bench press to the middle of your stomach. I mean, I don't think... I think that people should have the amount of arch that's biomechanically correct for them naturally. I don't think people should be putting so much time into forcing, if I had a bigger arch, I'll bench more. Just get better at benching. You know, like, Rich, don't be in a train. <laughs> yeah, when we went to, uh, actually, us three actually went to uh, Boris Shaker, he was um, showing us like this, like, uh, this like stretch down the back of the wall to try and get your arch better. I couldn't even get my arms. A couple, like, you know, the ladders in the old school, you like, you like walk backwards and like, get, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't even get the stretch basically, but he was obviously wants to push the boundaries as much as I can, much as he can. But I, I don't know, would you spend any time creating that arch or would you just I would, them to, like, I would always just to just finish up on the previous question as well. At the same time, there is a point that I call too far. I've got this joke that I say, like, I don't I don't want to see people knocking on doors. This is not a bench press. You know, like, if your arms are so wide apart and you're so far retracted in such an arch that you're basically just hinging from the elbow to the fist, <laughs> it's, 
It's not a bench press, in my opinion. Um, there's got to be a portional range of motion through your shoulders, you know, like through your scalps, in my opinion. That's just my personal opinion. That's because I'm a purist. Um, I reckon that everybody, especially you blokes who, like, can't tie your shoes without throwing your foot at your face and hoping for the best, should work on mobility. People should, Calvin can demonstrate that for you. But you say that, but we have, <laughs> we've definitely been spending a lot more time on warm-up. I mean, I mean, for me, definitely, I felt as I've gotten older, um, and coming in after playing rugby and then going to powerlifting and stuff, I think the warm-up is like majorly key. Like if I don't do that, then you're right. I'm having to fucking get that leg as hot as I can to get my shoelace on. If I just spend that 10 minutes before a session and it's like like much better. And I know Rich must spend like half an hour on your jujitsu warm-up as well. Like, cause obviously you're going to be putting so much stress through the elbows and stuff through that. So. Absolutely. Every time, um, you always go back to it. The the more you put into almost like the preparation, the more you're going to get out of the session. I've I've been known. I put my hands up like quickly, quick little warm up, and then you tend to wonder why you're not able to hit the depth or you ache like hell the next day. And the more preparation you put into that, um, the mobility, the movement that you're going to perform, the better you then perform when you're doing the main workout. Um, and then taking on something like uh, jujitsu. I was 33 when I started doing that and being like twisted and pushed into positions that I feel like my body's not meant to be in. Um, it just makes you realize just how important mobility is, especially as you get older. Like, you know, we're all athletes in our own way and the older athlete has to take care of their body for longevity. I want to be able to do jujitsu for, well, I've got goals of being a black belt and, Typically, it takes a long time in jiu-jitsu to get that, especially in lockdown when you can't do it. Um, but I'll be looking at maybe getting a black belt when I'm like 45, maybe. And if that's that's like doing well. But beyond that, you know, there's black belts, not even like the first hurdle. You can you can go on and you can carry on teaching people for the rest of your life. But um, I'm learning the hard lesson at the moment. Like, you know, I've got, I've got to just keep the mobility up. And sometimes it, it becomes, that's got to be your main focus with your training for a while. If you've had an injury or if you're struggling with something, go back to the mobility. And then once that's achieved, then build on with the strength. Yeah, yeah. Kelvin's one for that. He's, <clears throat> he's spent a lot of time on mobility recently. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's, it's working well, especially with the colder weather as well, and like training in the cold. You know, I've spent a lot more time, you know, sometimes like 45 minutes before actually in a position to feel comfortable to lift any real weight. We all, Aaron, remember our, our good friend Steve Lewington? Yeah. His, tra- his warm-up was probably longer than everyone else's main session. But very rarely did I ever hear that he was injured and he achieved a great physique and some great lifts. And, you know, Steve, I wouldn't have said fitted in any one category of a, a bodybuilder, a power lifter, an Olympic lifter. Um, but his preparation, you know, it took so long for him to get yeah. into the main workout, but, you know, he looked great and he was able to lift a lot of lot of weight and very rarely did I ever know that he was injured. Yeah. Maybe that's one for you, uh, Tess, is like, um, do you find the more muscle mass you put on, because obviously you've gone from, what do you say, 60 to your bench press record at 75. Um, so that's quite, that's quite a bit of mass um, and you are very lean, like so- you said. Do you find the more muscle you put on, the more you have to warm up, or do you just, or are you one of those just warm up with a bar? I'm gonna warm up with squats. <laughs> I'm squatting, warm up with squats. Um, so the niche of 
what I do as a coach is rehabilitation training and prehab, rehab and prehab, uh, but I don't work the way physios work. Um, something wrong with physios they're great uh, they saved my life on my life loads of times um, but I don't train the way physios work in that they get you back to where you were I then keep going from there and it's like well why did it happen in the first place how do we stop it happening again and then like you were talking with that you know do you train people to have better mobility for the arch I mean yes if they need better mobility to be if I think that is where they're lacking in their strength for that, for whatever lift or whatever movement. If mobility is prevalent as an issue, then yes. But I also include that once we get that mobility, for example, depth in a squat, like you can quarter squat twice what you can squat in the hole, you know. So once I get anyone or myself to that mo mobility point where they're doing what I want, you kind of have to start the strength grow all over again. So because I'm always training for mobility and I'm always training or I basically, I want to be the most per technically perfect lifter I can be. Like if at the end of the day, people knew me for that rather than CrossFed World Records, I'd be pretty happy with that. That'd be like sick. You know, they'd be like, all right, Rain Man, you and your technique over there. Um, but I don't want to be the form. Sorry, there's nothing better than a, like a beautiful deadlift and squat. You know, you just look at it and go, actually, fair play, that was ace. It looked easy. Like the yeah. people struggling and shaking and that, you're a bit like, oh, yeah, you got it up. <laughs> I say that to all the boys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> God, I miss you guys. <laughs> um, but no, at the same time, like sometimes you see people at a competition and our competition's different because they're giving it their all. And I'm like, I can't watch them deadlift. Oh, my God, some of it's terrifying. Like when you're in a mainstream gym, if you're working in a mainstream gym, there's like this unspoken rule that you just don't look at the deadlift platform. <laughs> don't look, you know, because it's terrifying. You're like, that person is going to die. Most of the time that I've actually walked over the deadlift platform, somebody's not my client, I'm like, I'm really sorry to interrupt you, but please let me help you because you're going to very badly hurt yourself. And I'm really, um, I don't even want to want you to pay me. Because in my head, I'm like, I don't want to train you, you know, but <laughs> in my gym, please, God. Um, but, yeah, I think that as I get more muscle, I've had times with problems with mobility. Lockdown has been the opposite because I've had so much more time to only do yoga and mobility and plyometric sports. I would say overall I train much more like a high plate, whatever. Um, buzzword then, then sorry let's just uh, quickly rewind you there what's your thoughts on yoga for strength athletes for the general public uh, and for like martial arts as well um, or just an all around general sort of um, thing to pursue I think it's fantastic um, how many powerlifters or strength athletes do you know that have had lower back problems your hand up if you've had a lower back problem <laughs> do you know why I've never had a lower back problem because I've got a really good core from doing yoga. Hands up if you did yoga last week. Go. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Oi, well, that's um, what a podcast. <laughs> see you when you um, get the steel rod in your spine, Kelvin, and see if you can do yoga then. Um, yeah, well, I, couldn't no, sit cross, I couldn't even sit cross-legged. It was that bad. That's actually really bad. It's a lot of people, though, like people go, I'm really fucked up and I'm broken and no one's as bad. The thing is, unfortunately, you're actually quite normal. The yeah. bigger the smoke, the more likely they're not going to be able to do anything. Like my mate, Joe, stands up and stands side on. He's much better now. 
but he puts his hands behind his back and he doesn't have much of a neck because he does a strong man. So he's really got no neck, right? He looks like um, uh, Dr. Eggman from Sonic. <laughs> him. Um, but as if the shirt is built in, you know, with the lapels. And when he puts his hands behind him, like as if he was going to push something away from him behind him, his head goes forward. Like this one motion and he's only getting maybe 10 centimetres past his hip line. Like you couldn't see light between his hand and his thumb, you know. And he's much better now, but that that's a problem. That's a lot of people and that's a problem. If you can't... A squat is a relatively normal movement. A squat to a competition standard is not necessarily normal movement, but a squat is a normal movement. You're going to be doing it till you're 80. You're going to need it to get off the toilet. You know, you're going to need it to get out of the car. You're going to need it to move house and pick a box up or pick up a cat or a puppy or a baby. It's all squatting, you know, and if you can't get your arms to here, you know, to either side of your delts in any amount of extension through your arms, you have a problem. That needs what's, what's the um, <laughs> what, what's the one thing you'd, um, you'd you'd tell people to do now, like while they're in lockdown, um, to actually help longevity, mobility, or future progress? Would it be yoga? I don't want to answer the question for you. No, I would say I would say it would be yoga in the sense that most people who need to be doing this don't know what to do. You know, they would do it because they want to do something at the moment, but they don't have like an index of yoga exercises. I would say don't do Bikram yoga if you're not into yoga. It's not necessary for powerlifting, you know, or for strength sports. It's very much it's very much a yoga thing and you'll injure yourself. Um, I would say either, depending on the kind of athlete you are, like me versus like one of you lads would be more, maybe maybe not so much you, Ricky, because you do jiu-jitsu, so you're a lot more mobile and plyometric than them. Um, even if you don't think you are, you're a lot more than them. I've seen them move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, if I I would do like a flow or a vinyasa yoga, just do just Google it, just YouTube it, YouTube it for free. They'll yeah, sit there, yeah. some vegan tiny girl will be like, okay, now we do this thing and she'll do it with you, you know. <laughs> and no one else is there to see how much oh. it's like. Whereas... Whereas, lads, I would say maybe don't do vinyasa straight away because, you know, you might not be that fit and mobile together. I would say do yin. Yin yoga is calmer, slower, it's stretching, you know. Um, but I would say yin for mobility overall and I would say vinyasa flows because you don't really stop moving to help maintain strength and mobility. Like I don't think I'll come out of lockdown weaker. I don't think I'll gain strength, but I don't think I'll come out weaker, but I'll be a better athlete for doing so much more time on general health and mobility. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, I think that answered, that answered everything there. Um, so I was going to say, um, you know, like there's always just seems to be this thing where a lot of coaches don't like other coaches being coached. You know what I mean? They see it as a, as a, yeah. sometimes like a bad thing. So obviously you're a coach, we're all coaches. Um, what's your thoughts on having a coach and do you have a coach yourself um, at the moment or for your um, your records and stuff at the moment at the moment no I go in and out of having coaches um, I think if you what's a good example I think <laughs> if you want to bake a cake and you go to the store and buy packet cake you're going to be able to bake a cake but you're not going to learn anything about baking cake or about any other kinds of cake. You know, 
yeah, how awesome it could be. Whereas if you know how to make one thing and they know how to make one other thing and you can train with them for a bit and learn what they know, you know, and if, if do you know those, those coaches you get, sometimes you get very good coaches that say people shouldn't be, coaches shouldn't be coached. But my favourite thing to do would be to learn everything that coach does and then take it and use it myself because they're not doing that with anyone else. So all of a sudden I'm going to be a better coach than them because I've got so many bits more of experience from various people than they do. You're clearly a good coach because as soon as you mentioned Kate, Kelvin started breathing heavier. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paying attention again. I'm back in the room. (laughs) Back in the room. No, no, I think that's great because obviously, like, I don't know, I, I think it's great. Like you say, you should be taking everything from everyone and, and compiling your own sort of like, like essentially like you have and like we all have is we've created our own little way we coach people and how that gets our results. So just continue like, learning. Yeah, continued yeah, learning. Like. And also um, being able to train various kinds of people with various mindsets and various training histories. And like, I don't even think people should just take coaching from – their sport you know like if I was the best powerlifter in the world and I'd already done everything I wanted to do and I didn't have already a massive broad history of sports I'd be like right I'm gonna go learn to be a professional rock climber see what that does you know or like you guys were doing trips down to the rock climbing place for a little bit of PTU and stuff like back before the world ended and um you know and like I'd want to figure out I've really really want to go back to doing dancing but like contemporary dancing just weird waving your limbs around like napoleon dynamite you know like all of those different kinds of training are going to make you a better coach because until you try them it doesn't matter whether you shoot at them or not you have no idea what the biomechanical crossovers are and you also will discover all sorts of things that you're actually shit at (laughs) that you didn't even know you know and you might Say, for example, your glutes don't fire when you deadlift. You might go and do salsa dancing and find out that it's all hips and glutes and realise that it's not your glutes, it's all of your hips, and thus in turn learn to use them and improve your deadlift. And look great on the dance floor and ready at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's a great show. Don't kick him out. I'd love to see Kelvin. We should do it one day, to be fair. We'll do it. Me and Kelv. Arm in arm. That's the next podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got a pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. So saying that, is there, anyone, is there anyone that you um, either look up to or you've gotten most of your information from? Who do you find that you always kind of end up going back to or looking at the most? Or or is it just a, is there lots of people? There's, there's, there's lots of people that aren't necessarily powerlifters. Um, I am autistic. You can name a couple. Kelvin didn't, but you can. Yeah, no, I will. I even said to him after, like, you should name them. It helps them. Um, I am autistic, so I'm very single-minded. So I'm very like, I'll do it myself. Um, And, yeah, I there's guys on Instagram called Move You. It's just a you. And they're physios and chiros, and I love them. And they're hilarious to watch. You know, like, I love the guys at Squat University, but... I have a very short attention span and sometimes it can be a little bit monotonous. I don't want to go back to school. I want to watch this while I'm on the toilet and then move on with my life, you know? That's <laughs> an important thing to remember any content you're creating, you know? People are going to watch this while they poop and then they're going to put it down. So, you know, get it done. Um, but, yeah, I move you guys. I go back to all the time. Um, I really love 
um, Bonnie Schroeder, who's like part sponsor owner of Hate Brands. Um, Bonnie Schroeder is really cool, and she's like a really lean powerlifter and just a really real human. You know, I more have these people who I follow and pay attention to because they do all the things we're all trying to do and they're still completely themselves while they do it. They don't get caught up on all these sort of false pretenses. I think that's much more important to me. But when it comes to legitimate training, I mean, Dave Beatty made my squat, you know, <laughs> and there's things that Dave Beatty taught me that I will always use when teaching other people. Even things like Dave will try to kill you in a session, you know, and when I meet the right kind of client, let's see what it takes for them to die, you know, and then for some reason they pay me again. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, and then there's stuff I learned about conjugate from Adam Hindle, um, just a little bit of a window, a further window into conjugate. Um, there's stuff I learned about floor pressing and all those sort of like really old school, basic powerlifting movements, but how to get the most out of them. And that's all from like Mark Bell from Super Training Gym and from Swede Burns, you know, his fifth set. But yeah, that's probably overall the thick of it. I love training with my friends and with people who are coaches and stuff like that. But I don't, my brain doesn't go, this is a learning experience. It goes, this is an enjoyment time and experience and we're going to stop working and enjoy our friend's company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you um, you training much through lockdown? You might just get into the end, training for any pumps. I have access. I have the ability to train, but um, it's – I don't really have, like, a re- – I can't complain as such, you know, like so many people don't have access to train. I have the ability to train, and if I had a competition that I knew was happening coming up, then I would be like, okay, you know, I will do that. But as it stands, I don't have to be in a gym full-time to be able to survive where I am. And if I'm not in a gym full-time, it means that I can sleep more and it's cold and Ricky's dog's really upset. (laughs) Visitors. Yeah, and, you know, it means that I can – I've lost my train of thought. I just want to see your dog. Ricky, can we see your dog? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where's the dog, man? (laughs) Um, dog, if you want, it's a sausage dog. <laughs> oh, it's tiny. Oh, look. Here he uh, is. is he really old? It's 13. 13. Jesus. I'm not picking my dog up. It's not happening. Pick your dog up. Tell us how strong you are. Hi <laughs> <laughs> right there. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming up the stairs. Come on. If you are watching, listening to this on Spotify, I suggest you go to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There it is. Hi, you're very hairy yeah, and your breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's our zoo. Welcome to Aaron's podcast. It is a zoo. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't been in a gym as much as I would be if the gyms were open. Um, I think at the moment I'm kind of about to start a system where I'm doing mobility and yoga, like generally consistently, um, and I'm walking my dog more consistently further. He's an old man now, so he doesn't do the big hikes like he used to all the time. Um, and then one day a week I have access to a gym. 
And I think I'm going to just going to like squat, bench, deadlift, you know, maybe like three by three, something conjugate, just to keep me like strong and testing and seeing what all of the yoga and the strength work that I'm doing with resistance bands at home is doing, you know. Like Are you doing anything? Oh, sorry. Do you enjoy like a bit of a break from just like heavy training all the time, just constantly feeling broken and fatigued? I mean, yes. Like, I mean, you know, gear kind of keeps me not that fatigued. And like, you've met me. Um, <laughs> you, so, am I right? You're still running a bit of gear then, or you've come off? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't come off. Um, as a female, my the female hormones go up and down all the time. Uh, so for me, after using myself as a guinea pig for like the first year I took gear, which was interesting, I'm pretty sure we had a nickname for me if I took methyl trend because I'd start the day as Tess and end the day Bruce. as Bruce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was very instantaneous, yeah. Like, yeah, it was throughout the day my voice would go from this to like somewhere down there. Okay. It sound like Batman for like four days afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, and now I'm just on, I just take Primabolin, uh, which is kind of one of the only really known things that women can comfortably take. There are actually a lot of things women can very safely take, um, but I don't take much. I take one dose of it a week, um, like 50, 25 meg off season. And I just stay there the whole time because like I went on and went through puberty again. Yay, joy. And then after that, it kind of leveled out, you know, and I have, I still have a hormonal cycle. You blokes won't understand this, but I still have like a, a, a hormonal cycle that is like, it's like clockwork, you know. So I get a bit bloated, I get a bit lethargic, I feel a bit weak for like a couple of days, and like I might get a bit spotty. And then I'm like, oh, what's the date? And someone's like, oh, it's the end of the month. And I'm like, yeah, right, cool. And I just kind of ignore it for four or five days. And all of a sudden, I've kind of got abs again and everything's fine. So I figure if I'm still having this hormonal cycle, that should, in theory, mean that I'm messing with my body as little as possible for someone who's made the decision to take performance enhancing drugs. I guess this is going to be a good time to to shoot in towards nutrition now. So I was having a look through your... Uh, for your website and stuff. So you kind of um, use this term intuitive eating coaching. Um, mm. So obviously I want to go into the diet because I want to see how that affects you, but I just want to just understand what that, like I've read about it a little bit and just, I kind of, I understand what it means. Uh, I just want your kind of take on it and then we'll go into how nutrition affects you as well. Sure. So usually no matter what the goal is, people come to me for nutrition and they're expecting me to get them to count macros and count calories. Um, and in my personal opinion, The only time you need to know what your calories are, your calories, not your macros, but in my personal opinion, the only time you need to know what your calories are is when you're trying to lose size of any form and be in a calorie deficit. Furthermore, I don't give a shit how you're in a calorie deficit, like different kinds of diets. It's all about which one you're going to (laughs) do. You know, like if you're happy to not eat carbs, then that's how you get a calorie deficit. If you're not, then don't do that one. You know, it's all just about calorie deficit. But if if your goal is maintenance or your goal is just improving your health, um, which a lot of a lot of like longer term powerlifters, it's about improving their health. Like I know Kelvin, you recently stopped eating gluten, and that's just mostly been a massive thing about improving your health because of like family. What? His skin is beautiful. <laughs> he looks more like a cherub with a beard than ever before. <laughs> Take the beanie off. 
<laughs> has done nothing for his hairline. Kelvin hair is growing back, not as he would like it to for everybody who's just listening. It's really beautiful. Ooh, so much forehead. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Sorry, carry on. If they're trying to put on size, if they were, if they're in a healthy place, the only time you try to put on size and weight is when you're in a relatively healthy place. You know, you're not morbidly obese and then going, I want to get fatter. Unless you're one of those weirdos who wants to do it for money on OnlyFans. <laughs> Squasher. Yeah, squash. What? <laughs> hey, don't judge. <laughs> something new every day. <laughs> oh my god, no way. <laughs> Quiet ones. Uh, does that make does that make you a feeder, Ricky? Like you know, is that the other? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, Aaron. You said that you were business partners. I'm thinking that maybe it's a different kind of business. <laughs> That's why he's in the other room. He's not allowed to come in our room. <laughs> it's the bright side of the dungeon. Uh, You've got to be able to see the Twinkies that you're making into a masterpiece. <laughs> you can't leave them in the kitchen, they'll eat everything. That's actually true, <laughs> that last bit. Um, yeah, so intuitive eating, basically, they they tell me what they're generally eating. We don't have, like, a form as such for that um, and how they eat, like, if they're a vegetarian or whatever, if they have any allergies. And then I don't ask them what they're eating. I don't care what you're eating. What you're already eating is what you're going to naturally eat. If somebody's coming to me for health, we're going to go into what they're eating. You know, I say to them, do you eat only beige fruits? And they're English. So 80% of the time they go, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> All my foods are the same tan color and come out of the frozen section of Tesla. Um, you know, I eat like a child. Um, then, you know, so... They fill a form out once a week that says how many meals had protein in it, how many meals had carbs in it, you know, and we don't really do much of it for much on it for the first couple of weeks. And then there's also questions about how well they slept and how well they performed and if they're happy with their overall aesthetic, you know, like they can be indifferent. There's a lot of options. And then if they're consistently don't have enough energy but not sleeping well, then we look at their water. I say up your water and eat a little bit more carbohydrates, you know, and then we see what that improves. And then you go, okay, like everything's much better, but I'm sore all the time and I don't feel like I'm getting much stronger. We say, okay, well then let's now up your protein in two of your meals each week. And you do it like that by that way and it just becomes more natural. They're in, they're learning what they need as they go, which makes them more likely to stick to it. And they're including the kind of protein or carbohydrates or fats or whatever that they choose to. So they're more likely to stick to it. And it's already automatic for them when in the supermarket. And they end up looking at their food as is there all three macro factors in this meal whenever they look at their food, you know, and have I drunk enough water or I'm feeling tired today, I didn't sleep well. Because I didn't eat very well yesterday, I'm going to go easy on my session today. I'm going to now go have some more water. You know, and all these decisions start becoming more natural, and that's the whole point of intuitive eating is that I find that the best way to get people anywhere with nutrition is not to tell them what to do. It's to educate them at a rate that they're happy to and so that they know what to choose 
when they want to make a choice. That's cool. That's good. Do you do you take supplements your, yourself, um, other than the ones we've already mentioned? Um, and are there any brands that you uh, you swear by, or you're even sponsored by, or? Um, so I'm not sponsored by a supplement company at this point. Um, I am sponsored by like a gym and clothing company at this point. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me, I take supplements from Strom. Um, the supplements I take from Strom are actually, I don't take a protein or EAA or a BCAA from Strom. Um, I used to use their pre-workout, but it made me feel like I was going to die. So I stopped having it. Um, I've been taking Chaos Crew, Bring the Chaos, the sour gummy flavor for years on and off. And I love it. It's so good. It tastes good. If you're not doing enough, you feel like your skin's on fire. If you are doing enough, it barely even happened. Uh, from Strom, I take things that are more for, I guess you could say, holistic support. You know, so I take their neuro support, which really helps with my brain fog and chilling me out because, as you can probably tell, it's that's a difficult thing. You know, I'm like a ping pong ball. Um, so it helps chill me out in the evenings because I come home from my part-time job I'm doing through COVID and then I build my website and do all that. So I'm still staring at a screen. So I need something to help me kind of switch off when I clock myself off. I take their joint support in powder, which is what I'm drinking at the moment, um, because I literally, I'm like pretty much addicted to it. I stopped taking it and like within a few weeks, all my joints and my bones are aching and stuff like that, especially as I get leaner because I don't hold much fat around my joints, which is not great for powerlifting, good for bodybuilding. Um, yeah, and I take their Hydromax, which is, it's basically just a, a hydration support system that doesn't have as much sugar and crap in it as something like Powerade. It also helps massively with back pump, uh, especially with back pump for people who are on gear. And if you take gear, you are fully aware of the debilitating back pumps you get from gear. Um, the only problem with these three things is once you start using them, you then can't not use them because your body's like, everything's great. And then you stop taking them and you're like, I'm not okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, and then when it comes to Facebook, it's the most. It's good. Didn't plug her um, actual sponsors though. No, she did. Oh, she didn't say. We'll do that again. Do that again. Um, so I take it you intuitive eat as well. Um, uh, what sort of meals do you like to eat before you compete? Do you change anything, or do you just keep everything the same? When I compete, I don't eat any meals. I've taken meals to competitions, and I don't end up eating them. That might have something to do with the large amounts of anadrol I take on the day, killing my appetite. Um, but I snack. I want like sweet gummy lollies and then like salty Doritos or crisps. You know, I want salt, carbs, glycogen, sugar. I don't want to think about it. I just want to be covered in chalk and shit, you know, and you don't want to like touch things or wait for a microwave and, you know, yeah. I don't know. That's cool. What about the night before though, like, uh, or, the, or the week before leading up to it? Is there anything different you do? If I've had to do a water cut or if I've been dieting in general, because uh, I'm pretty good with my weight management, so... I compete at a lower weight class now than what I walk around at by about three or four kilos. Um, so about six weeks before comp, I start cutting weight. And the only thing I do to cut weight is take out like a snack and I take the carbs out of like one of my meals or like I'll halve the carbs out of one of my meals because I, because I'm really active and because at that point in training, I'll be really conditioned. It kind of just happens. Also, once again, here, 
you know, as soon as, and because I've dieted so much with bodybuilding and stuff, my body's like, oh, we're dieting. Okay. Uh, but if I have to water cut or something, then you weigh in the day before for the competitions I do. So I'll eat whatever you put in front of me the night after, after that. Um, Miller and Carter, share platter, just for me and pudding. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I've, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it. She can do it. <laughs> Kelvin watched me eat this. One of the first times we went out for food and he watched me eat this. And he was looking at me a bit strange as Kelvin looks at everyone a bit strange. And I said, what? And he goes, I don't know if I'm demasculated or slightly turned on. <laughs> <laughs> bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. How, much, um, how much weight are you uh, cutting uh, at the moment or have you cut? Like what's your sort of maximum weight do you think you can get away with without performance going down? My performance thus far hasn't seemed to have been affected by radical weight cuts. It doesn't mean it wouldn't be. Um, when I did a bodybuilding competition, I wasn't on gear, and one of my – at 65 kilos, I did a double body weight deadlift, so I did 130 kilos. Yep, that's maths. Um, back Way back then, back in 2016. And then – in 2017, the year I competed, I got this wrong yesterday. In 2017, the year I was competing, I said during my prep that I wanted to be able to still do that deadlift in peak week. And so all of that dieting, first bodybuilding comp, I lost like 10 kilos. I was tiny. Like I thought I had so much muscle and I look back at it now, I was like, oh, little baby. Um, <laughs> But I still did that deadlift, you know, during peak week at the lightest I would get. So I don't personally have too much issue with that affecting me. Um, I don't think I'd be able to do something that took a few days in that circumstance, you know, like a triathlon or something like that or events. But one day I seem to be fine. I think it's also because I spent a lot of my young adult years very hungover and coming down off party drugs but still going to work. You know, so I'm kind of used to being in that. I was already used to being in that fatigued state while having to perform and use my brain and things like that, you know, and change. What's a drastic weight cut for you? What, when you say drastic, so were you talking about three, um, three four? Started last year. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Started last year. I went into the 67.5 kilo weight class. And because after Worlds in 2019, I was walking around to like 70 kilos, like 69 kilos. And I was like, well, I won that one. I'm going to go down a weight class. And that comp is when I got my first British record when I was the lower weight class. And everyone's like, wow, how did you train to get a British record? I said, I didn't. I got lighter. Um, <laughs> so the record got lighter. Um, but no, I weighed myself like two weeks before the competition and somehow I was 73 kilos. And I was like, fuck, man. And I did a water cut. I did a proper planned out water cut and I lost a stone. Now, I reckon two or three of those kilos initially were just like bloat or something like that. You know, I'm female and I've got a lot of muscle. So when I bloat, I can bloat by like four or five kilos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got down. I weighed in at 67.4 and I had to be under 67.5. And I was so dehydrated that I smell like cat pee and I couldn't speak. <laughs> My throat was so dry. Um, and I was like sweating straight like body product, you know, like not water. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I lost a stone in a week. And then we went to Wagamama's and I sipped like electrolytes and water and like uh, some protein brownies in the little bits on the way there. 
And then I ate like three meals of Wagamama's and went to bed and woke up the next day and was like, I slept so good. <laughs> and I was fine. What were your um, squat and benches on those days? I think it was your deadlift, uh, sorry, your squat and um, deadlift on those days. Was it 200, was it? No. Uh, well, I got 185 on my squat. I'd gotten 185 at London's strongest just before, but yeah. I hadn't gotten it on a GPC platform. So it was like strong man depth, nice like GPC depth. Um, so I did 185 squat and it was like butter. I did it as my third attempt. I was like, should have gone higher. Um, I did a 112.5 bench and that was fine, but I was sore. So I've got loads of things wrong with my shoulders over the years. Um, so I did 113 bench and got the record. And then I went and pulled 197 and failed it, which I'm never pulling again because I always fail it. And I walked up to the platform and I was like, I want 200 on there. And I know the girls at the table and they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking sure. I fucking pulled it in the gym that many times. It's happening. And when they said the weight, the people, I knew most of the people there and they all kind of looked like they were like, yeah, you know, because they all clap as they're putting the weight up and the bars load, bars loaded. And they're all like, they saw the weight and they all kind of stopped clapping and looked at me like, but bitch, you failed that one before. <laughs> you know, like, even the person roughing me, who I know quite well, and I walked up to the bar and I just kind of stood up with the bar, like, you know, whatever, like, you know. And she looked at me, the girl roughing me, and she was like, all right, fair enough. And I was like, okay, I can go home now. Fuck you guys. <laughs> but, you know, so that was that was a, it was a good comp. I was a weight class lighter. I had veins through my shoulder blades yeah. and, like, abs and veins through my legs and like all those things that you guys give stupid names to like the horseshoe and the <laughs> all those weird gaps in your muscles I had all that and I got a British record and you know a 200 kilo conventional deadlift and my feet are like only a foot apart when I conventional deadlift so I was pretty happy with that nice. you know, cool. and what <laughs> uh, before we finish up um, do you just want to give a little uh, plug to your new website, which you dropped uh, this week? Just tell us a little bit about it. I have relaunched my website. Um, nobody needed to know about my website before. It looked like a drunk child had done it. Um, <clears throat> basically, you can get in contact with me for every kind of coaching that I do, uh, whether that is competition coaching, general strength and aesthetic performance coaching. Um, I also do the rehabilitation stuff. Um, productivity coaching. I don't like saying life coaching because it's lame. Uh, but let's be honest, that's what it is. Um, and my intuitive eating, there'll be ebooks with recipes on there as well. So it's not just like learning how to eat yourself, but actually telling you what to cook. Um, yeah, you can link up to there. You can see where I'm working when the world's not ending. And you can just send me an email with a random choir you have. That is roguewolftribe.com, uh, R-O-G-U-E, wolf, like the animal, tribe.com. I'll chuck it in uh, underneath this, uh, the podcast and on YouTube as well. Winner. Um, and then you've also got a direct link to my sponsors on there and to the gym that I work at, out of. Uh, but my sponsors are a group of guys in Canada, a small group of guys in Canada called Misfit Strongman and Powerlifting. And they are just awesome. I met them at Worlds and they're just really real people who just went yeah you know you're like us you don't fit in with anybody join us um and they got really good clothing and gear and stuff like that like it's just it's from Canada they send me these hoodies and they're from Canada and it's cold there and I get it and I'm like oh this is amazing I'm gonna spend all of my diet in this Canada hoodie. Amazing. Yeah. You know, 
And they do like really good shorts and sports bras and things like that. So if you follow me on Instagram, it's Teresa underscore Soros Rex. You'll see my posts with their stuff in it. And, you know, you'll be linked to them through me. And if people want to order through them, I tell them to get together and tell me. And then you just pay one shipping cost through me because Canada is expensive. Uh, just before you go, are we this um what are your future goals? So long long term and immediate goals, you know, where are you going next? What are uh, weights, weight categories, comps? I wanna I wanna compete in sub 67.5 as long as I can, because I know I don't have much longer until I've technically got too much muscle to be at that body weight without my joints and my lifting then be affected. Um if I get lean enough like that, like I was at the start of last year again, then I might even do another bodybuilding stage just because I really like glitter, um, <laughs> you know, and I could, you know, and I'd rock up and be like, hey, none of you have seen a carbohydrate for a month. Want a donut? Get on stage and leave, and that would be fun. Um, <laughs> sexy. Um, but, yeah, there's that. I want to get CrossFed World Record Bench, which is – only I've now benched 130 kilos in gym. Um, and according to open powerlifting, the CrossFed world record is held by an Australian. Um, and it is 144 point something. So it's not far away. Um, I want to get, I'd like to get a CrossFed world record squat, which I think is like, I think the world record in the GPC is like 230 for the weight class I'm in. Um, so I'd like to be squatting like 240. Um, immediate goals, next comp, I'd like to squat 215 and I'd like to bench like 125 or 130 at my next comp, probably 130. Um, I want to pull 200 sumo because I do both. Heck, fuck the haters. Yeah, but, you know, you're broken, Kelvin, and I'm not, so who's winning? Um, he's pulling faces at me, everyone. But, yeah, I want to deadlift 200 on platform sumo and then I want to go back and deadlift 220 210 and then match it up to my squat conventional just to confuse the shit out of people. And yeah, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to have CrossFed world records in all three, but me and deadlift are having some arguments at the moment. There's relationship problems. So we're just going to leave that one. Yeah, yeah. I stopped doing sumo. I actually stopped pulling sumo because I was having these issues and there's nothing, there's nothing's better. Someone glued the bar to the floor and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, but yeah. And then, I'm going to open a gym. I'm going to open a massive multi-training facility. So gym, seminar space, competition space. Um, I do some teaching on the side as well for fitness-related things. Um, so I want to be able to teach out of there. I want to have an Airbnb attached to it so I can live there. But also so, um, refs and international people for seminars and loading crew can stay there etc you know and i want to work at bath uni so yeah that's, that's that's the plan a boyfriend would be interesting i don't know if i want a boyfriend at this point <laughs> girlfriend god no fuck no i don't know how you guys date women women are crazy <laughs> wicked wicked right so before we uh before we finish is there any quote you live or train by um that you kind of just stuck with you along along the way yeah if he dies he dies <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, no thank you, Jesus. No worries. Um, we'll get um, all the links and uh, and everything below the Spotify and the YouTube. Um, and then yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure we get this out. Thanks, thanks, guys. It was good to see you again.